this, because I'm passionate about it, it's, you can burn yourself out. You have to be careful, but you can also work way more than 40 hours and get a lot of fulfillment from it and still have a balanced life. Like I get to, I have the luxury of working from home. I come upstairs at five o'clock on the nose every single day, have dinner with my family, get to bedtime with the kids, spend time with my wife, but I still might work in the evening because she wants to read a book. And so I'll go on my computer and work. There's finding balance and there's still also working hard. And I, I know far too many young people that think, well, I did 30 hours this week. If it's not gonna happen, it's not gonna happen. Like, no, you, like you should be willing and able while you have the time to put in the hard work. Now, you're not to do it foolishly. Like you can't just sit there and, and work yourself to the bone and have no life. Like I'm always going to be pro have balance, but if you look at anybody who is very successful, you're gonna find hard work behind that. my friends. Welcome to Word Made Digital. I'm your host, Joanna LaFleur. This is episode 12 of 2023. We have a fresh episode, but a guest we've had before. It's my friend, James Adams. He was on, I think, season two of the podcast. And he and I used to even host a podcast together. You might've heard me talk about that in the past, Future Church. Uh, it's a podcast we did five days a week and we would release like 10 minute sections. That stuff's still out there. If you want to go check it out, find out, find us on Future Church. But let me tell you a little bit about James. And before I do that, a huge shout out to Compassion Canada and to the Canadian Bible Society who are making this podcast possible. We wouldn't be able to get this in front of you, in your ears, on your YouTube screen without them. So honestly, we're just so grateful for these partnerships and these amazing organizations. I'll tell you a little bit more about them later, but I partner with them and they partner with us because we really believe in in what each other is doing. And so it's a real privilege to to have them with us on Warm Made Digital. And uh, in the meantime, if you haven't, speaking of, he was on season two. Yeah, we're talking about 150 episodes of the podcast. We've got dozens of maybe even a hundred tutorials. We've got all kinds of back content for you to go check out on our YouTube page. We would love for you to do that. You can subscribe, rate, review, comment. We love when we get comments, questions, DMs, whatever it is. It's really cool to know who's out there listening rather than um, when I run into people everywhere and they say that they're listening or an episode meant something to them or they were sharing it with someone. It's really cool. We can get that content back from you. So send us a line. But let me tell you a little bit about James before we dive into this episode. And maybe after this, you'll want to go back and find the previous one that he was on. Well, James has recently joined the team at Renewed Vision and he's leading pro content. You may know Renewed Vision um, by a product they make called Pro Presenter. And that's a presentation software. I used to say it's like PowerPoint on steroids, but because it's software that churches around the world are using for music and lyrics and videos and screen graphics and sermons, live broadcasts. It's basically for events big and small that are doing really complex things on screens. You probably are using it at your own church community, you may not just know it. So he recently sold his Christian media company, Visual Media Church, to Renewed Vision. And we're going to be talking about it. We're going to talk about his journey as an entrepreneur building this Christian media company, how to make products that actually help the church at a price they can afford without gouging them and having integrity with that, how to build from scratch, how to hire people who've never done something before and identifying that they could be trained up to help you in what you do, taking risks, building teams, selling what you built, all of it. We're going right in. You're going to love this conversation. Please enjoy. James Adams. James, 
Adams, welcome. Welcome back to Word Made Digital. I'm so glad to get you on the podcast at this sort of like turning point in your work. So before we go too far, who are you? Please introduce yourself to us. My name is James Adams and my title now is Director of Pro Content at Renewed Vision. And what I do is I make worship visuals every single day. That's that's what I spend my days doing. Yeah. And uh, if anyone knows uh, you or has been following with the podcast for a while, this is like a recent shift. And so I want to get into this with you because uh, maybe you can kind of, let's go backwards before we go ahead. I'd like to talk about like where you came from, what you built, what's just happened with the thing you built. And then like, let's talk about where's the future media content film, all the stuff that you're creating. Um Okay. So if we can go backwards, like, uh, wh- where did your career start in filmmaking, media content? Can you kind of take us back to the beginning? It'd be really cool. I think for people listening who to hear like, just like the trajectory of how you got to where you are and all the sort of turns along the way. For sure. I mean, I went to college not really knowing what I was going to do other than I had gone to visit a girlfriend at the time's class who was doing like journalism. And I said, oh, TV and graphics. That sounds interesting. I have no idea what I'm going to do. So let's just do that because that sounds like something I can handle. Um, I didn't really have a lot (laughs) of experience with computers or cameras. I had just kind of goofed around with some of that stuff. And so as I got into it, my thinking was, hey, I'll get into TV and, you know, work in a studio because that's all I knew. And fortunate enough for me, it, at that time is when filmmaking kind of became easily accessible in that there was the Canon Mark II, the mm-hmm. 5D. And for the first time ever, people were able to use what was a stills camera for video and it became way more accessible. So I basically started going to school right as that happened. So people were still using the old big cameras. But then on the side, there was a few people who had some money who were buying these things and saying, well, this is the future. Like, this is so easy to use. Why don't you just use mine instead of renting out the big old school TV camera from the uh, the library at the school? So that was definitely a shift And I don't think I consciously made that shift. I just started picking up what was easy to use and also got into making kind of graphics and 3D graphics. And so a lot of that just really became accessible right at the right time for me when I was in school. Yeah, I love that. What you're talking about, because I often think about how I was at a pivotal start point of like my education, my career, the year the iPhone came out. And it's kind of like a marker in time. And it sounds like you in your career, the technology that came out was like that marker in time. Just as like a side note of that, I don't know if you know about this, but there's this like these people who are tracking like all these people who are incredibly successful in business and like how in different eras of history, they all seem to be born really close to each other. So even Mm. like Steve Jobs and Bill Gates are like only months apart because they both basically had access to the same technology developments at the exact same time in their life when they were the right age to like try those things, have time to play with them. They didn't have the burdens of adult life yet so they could play with all this stuff. So it's like, that sounds like how you started. You were like the right place, the right time. Sometimes it is just about catching like the birth of an industry or a fundamental shift in technology, right? Like you said with the iPhone, like with cameras, all of a sudden video cameras became accessible to college kids. 
which wasn't yeah. the case before. And so it opened up a whole new area of business. And as well, the timing just after that is e-commerce, the idea that um, anyone at home could then build a website and build e-commerce solutions and sell things online. It was just the start of that as well. Before you had to set up a business and figure out with your bank how to wire money in and out. Whereas when I started college is right when things like uh, Shopify and Squarespace and Stripe all started. So it became accessible to the masses. And so, yeah, sometimes it's just you get a little bit lucky on timing on things. And I think, you know, skill and a desire to learn and hustle mixed with the right timing can go a long way. Um, but I mean, I didn't have it all figured out when I graduated school. I mean, sidebar, I didn't actually graduate. I finished the <laughs> yeah, credit <there> short. <laughs> um, but um, I went and worked for a hockey team, which was, um, it was a challenging experience. It didn't go so well in that it was like 60 to 80 hours a week for the first wow. two years, my first job. It was, it. I learned a lot, but it was absolutely draining and exhausting. And I learned to not love it because it was so tiring. It was just as a graphics person and doing the video for the for the team in-house, it was a lot of like, you have a game and then you're there at the office to 1 a.m. and then you, you know, repeat the next day. So it was really, really crazy, but I learned a lot and I learned how to work under pressure. And then from there, I took a complete 180 and worked for a fashion company, which was the exact opposite type of work in that, you know, you're working with women's fashion, producing fashion videos and some travel involved with that. And that was its own kind of crazy story. But again, working under pressure and seeing when you make small adjustments on set or in a studio being then broadcast out to all these stores nationwide throughout the U.S. and Canada. It was kind of also a learning experience on like understanding like reach, like when you make something, how far and wide it can go, and then really kind of being cognizant of that as you're creating. Yeah. And so from, so from there, like I went and then I ended up moving back to Toronto and worked for a university, which was kind of just a placeholder job for me because I didn't know what I wanted to do. It was never my dream to make videos for lawyers and, you know, film instructional videos. It was like quite academic content. Academic. It was yeah. quite dry, but it was one of those things where I didn't know what to do next. And it was a placeholder. And in that time is when I started volunteering. This is where the same time where you and I met Joanna in that I started volunteering and helping out with the video stuff at the church that we were both attending and came up with this idea to basically do a side hustle where like, hey, I would love to make um, videos and especially worship backgrounds for churches. But instead of kind of doing just purely motion graphics stuff, which existed out there, um, no one seemed to be doing any kind of outside nature stuff. And it seemed to marry the skills that I had in that. I love the outdoors. I love filming. And I love doing stuff for the church. And so it was something that I kind of started and I just basically whipped up a very crummy website and started making content. And before I knew <laughs> it, a side hustle was starting to grow into, oh, maybe I should be quitting my job and doing this full time. So that, mm -hmm. that took a couple of years from the moment I launched it to the time it was a full time, like I can count on this for my family, for my wife as an income. It was probably three years before I was able to kind of say goodbye to the full time job. Okay. So let's pause the story there because oh, there's so much in here that I, I could ask questions about, but maybe at that point you were doing this side thing that became the full time thing as it grew. Was that always the intention or the plan? Um, to make it the full-time thing or is it like 
uh, maybe I should say like, were you entrepreneurial at heart and you wanted to be your own boss at that time? Or is it just kind of like it happened and you were trying to keep up with what happened? It was, it was a little bit of hope and a little bit of desire, like at the same time. So I wouldn't say that I sat there going, yeah, this will be a full-time thing. It was my hope, but I was learning on the fly. Like I was very, I had finally come to this place where I convinced myself that I could be an entrepreneur. I kind of had this self doubt that if I didn't go to university for business, I therefore couldn't run or create a business. And the more I got into listening to podcasts, which was a lot of different people and interviews with different founders around the world. And the the overwhelming story was that most of them that were successful did not go to school for the thing that they were successful mm. at. And so it actually built a little bit of confidence just listening to these podcasts. And so then I started to have this hope, like I'm going to just figure it out as I go, because I didn't, I knew that going to school to learn it was not the route I wanted to take. And so it was like, yeah, I hoped it would. I had no confidence at the time, but actually would until I started seeing it growing because it really was just learning on the fly. Like I didn't have a lot of website expertise. I didn't have a lot of data expertise and I didn't fully know the market other than I knew church media because I grew up in the church. And so I was kind of just taking what I knew in my gut and then just trying to learn on the fly. So everything that happened along the way was a learning experience in you, you, turn left and you realize that's the wrong decision, you turn right. And you you try to pick yourself up from those mistakes and move forward. And that's really the entire history of building the company, which was Visual Media Church. It was just, it was constantly learning on the fly. And as a problem arose, figuring out how to solve it. Um, And yeah, that hope, that hope turned into like, oh, wow, like this actually is growing this. It can now support me and having a salary. Like, it just slowly grew. It didn't. It didn't explode, but it grew fast enough that I was still caught off guard. Caught off guard at times, really. Yeah, and like, what did you see? Like, as you say, you were coming from like I'm a filmmaker and I'm a participant in my local church. I've grown up in this. I know. I know the market isn't. I am the market. You could say, but uh, but then on the other side of it, like you're talking with like leaders, pastors, the creative production teams, worship pastors, whoever it may be, who is like the customer uh, or the decision maker. What, but what, what was it that you saw when you were, what was the hunch you were following here um, that said, you know, like, again, you didn't know how it would grow. You hoped it would, but you saw like a gap or you saw an opportunity or maybe you were had like angst about something you were seeing and you thought it could be better. Like, what was that thing that said, let's, let's like actually give this a go. I, I saw it in myself and I saw it like I saw it um, in the people I knew, the friends that we know, like in that I was sitting in church, like um, seeing kind of even the worship visuals and realizing it didn't really make sense to me. Like it didn't it didn't match what I thought I should see in the same hand. I'd be sitting there and I'd go on Instagram and I would like all these beautiful outdoor nature shots of people hiking like, oh, I need to go hike there. That's a gorgeous shot of the ocean. That's a gorgeous shot of this mountain. Um, and I started just seeing that everywhere in people that were my age at the time I launched this, I was 30, 31. And so I'm like, why isn't any of what we think is beautiful and that I'm constantly liking on Instagram and I'm constantly dreaming about doing, why isn't any of that actually exist in the worship media? Like for me, that's how I connect with God. And so Hmm. what I, what I started to realize, like, yeah, like when we sing, like at the time, you know, Hillsong's Oceans was a popular song. I'm pretty sure we sang it in our church. Like there should be a shot of oceans. Like that only makes sense. And so the more I looked around, I think, I think I probably hesitated for a brief second. And then I did like my own search 
and just found, oh, none of that really exists. Um, I like to go and hike and travel to begin with. Like, why not bring a camera along and see if I can be purposeful in what I shoot and how I shoot it and see if anybody else has the same feeling that I do. Let's let's make it available online. Let's make it super affordable. And then let's just find out. And so the the thing that made it both hard and easy at the same time as I had no money. And so I didn't have to risk a lot. There wasn't money to right. risk by putting a lot on the line. It was basically having to convince my wife, like, okay, I'm going to spend some vacation money to go to Iceland. I'm going to film for a week, get as much as I can. And I like basically gave myself six months of runway. Like if no one buys any of it, I'll leave the idea alone. And so I didn't have to risk a lot um, other than, you know, the, my, an internal argument with my wife on whether or not I was right or wrong. And so, <laughs> but it, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I had to go, go convince investors to invest money. And there was, there was right. a lot of extreme pressure. I could play around with the idea, do what I thought was best. And truthfully, at the end of the day, if it had failed, I probably would have wasted $1,500. So not right. the end of the world. And I love that you're talking about like, Follow the hunch. I think this could be something. I see a gap for this thing that if if it would resonate with me, maybe it would resonate with others. And like, don't outspend, like don't go outstretch yourself or like go into debt over trying this idea. I think that's probably a pretty good principle for like entrepreneurs or trying to sell something. And so then like, okay, fast forward, uh, you know, full time, you've got, it grew, you've got a team, COVID happened. How did COVID do you feel like that was like a make or break for you guys? Was that like the golden opportunity when the world shut down, everything went online? Like how did, I'm just curious, how did the COVID situation play out in church media world? It showed me how my initial gut reaction was completely wrong. <laughs> um, hmm. I was like, oh no, it's over. Um, there's no meeting in church. <laughs> the whole thing is going to be done. So, you know, I, I basically jumped into austerity measures day one and like, okay, what, what software don't we need? Like, how are we going to, how are we going to scale back and weather the storm? And the reality is, is the exact opposite happened in that we had started a Facebook group about a year earlier. It exploded. It started, you know, a couple hundred people a day, at least joining the Facebook group, um, which, which then meant that more people were being exposed to what I was doing. Cause I was posting there every day, kind of what we were working on. It also, we were able to adapt really fast in that fear and say, okay, let's make a bunch of live stream content. Let's see, again, let's just see if anyone uses it. And it worked really, really well to the point where instead of like shrinking or losing members over time, we were growing faster than we had before. And so wow, yeah. COVID, although, you know, really hard personally and, you know, not being able to go to church for basically living in Canada here for about a year and a half, while that was rough, at least God kind of had us in that the business um, didn't, didn't, didn't die, didn't shrink. And that was kind of my fear. Um, it, it grew stronger and it also forced us to adapt instead of kind of staying just with worship visuals. It was at that point where we really said, okay, we need to like provide more. Like if no one's going to be buying these for giant led walls, if no one's in a room with giant led walls, right. well, how can we make more kids content or, or specific towards women's ministry or sermon series or social media. So we leaned in more into other things that actually diversified how we were providing media and what we were providing to churches. And it made us stronger. So it was actually kind of a kick in the pants, really, is to mm -hmm. kind of like take, take a step back, look in the mirror. What do you want to change and how do you want to adapt? And so I think we did a good job of adapting 
um, kind of rewriting what we were going to be about. And it forced us to kind of work harder, which was a good thing. It was probably the right timing for us because we were probably starting to stagnate a little bit. If, if I were to look back and kind of evaluate where we were. Do you mean like creatively, like you were feeling like you, you needed yeah. like a push to do new stuff. Absolutely. We need a push. To, we need, we need that push to think beyond just the niche. We were, you know, like doing worship visuals for churches is a niche, but even just sticking just to the worship visuals is very niche. So like being able to offer more than just what appears on the screen, like thinking yeah. more of what we are providing as total church media, rather than just this one element within church media. Quick word here from our sponsor, because I think that the Bible can really feel overwhelming, confusing, and hard to believe sometimes. Do you relate to that? Well, the latest season of Scripture Untangled, which is a podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, is bringing you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to inspire you to dive into the Bible and understand it. I've been part of this podcast since day one. If you listen to an episode of Scripture Untangled, you may hear uh, my familiar voice on a few of the episodes, but you can listen for free and subscribe on wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. You can go to scriptureuntangled.ca for more info, scriptureuntangled.ca. Yeah, got it. And so, you know, on this side of COVID, it was the push to um, think about different kinds of content, different ways people are consuming content. So you were adapting what you were creating uh, media, creative work, graphics, all this stuff for this new reality online, in person, it's all happening. Um, and then, you know, okay, what has just happened? Now let's go to what has happened in your world now. Um, because, um, like the, the big news is you've sold this company. And so yes. <laughs> kind of t- tell us the story of, whatever you're able to tell us, tell us how that happened or, and then like, you know, we'll talk about what it is now. For sure. So, I mean, we've joined now Renewed Vision, which runs ProPresenter. And so the... And maybe just pause for those who don't know, ProPresenter is like the prime, I would say, yeah. ProPresenter is the industry standard for projecting any kind of media onto screens, especially, especially in the church world. So it is industry standard in that if like you want PowerPoint to project on steroids, absolutely, <laughs> you know, PowerPoint is yeah. great for a little computer and maybe doing it in a small room, but when you need to broadcast to a room full of people and you have multiple screens and you want to, you know, cut to a camera feed, you want to play media, you want to play music and playlists and countdowns. And then the sermon series graphics, there's a lot of complexity there, and that is the one software that can do it all, and that can be controlled from a single computer by a single volunteer. So people often kind of overlook, especially if you're not on the you know the technical side, how complex it is to run a screens for a large room of people and have it go off seamlessly. And that's what ProPresenter does. And so yeah. for our users and any one of our competitors' users, the primary endpoint for a lot of what we are making would flow through ProPresenter. So you would take this media, you would download it, you'd put it into some folders, and then most churches would be using ProPresenter and then putting their media in there and making it work. So if I back up, knowing kind of like, okay, well, like a lot of your content ends up with this other company's software. A couple of years ago, I had a friend who, who worked at Pro, ProPresenter who I kind of had just met online and just had basically reached out and said, hey, like, is this something you'd ever be interested in? And so I took a step back and said, give me a couple of days to think about it. And I said, okay, give me, you know, the owner you're referring to, um, his email, I'll email him and just kind of 
talk with them directly. I don't, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable just throwing out ideas through email. It, it seemed a little kind of bush league to kind of just start, you know, throwing out ideas and what, what, what you think would work through email. And so when you don't even know the guy, there's no when like I, relationship when I don't even know, I, to, I, I, to like exactly. play off of. Yeah. I think we had done like one kind of FaceTime, like just, Hey, get to know you. Like I'm, I'm so-and-so from this company, like just a little intro intro. And so he basically emailed me back and said, yeah, I'm available this Wednesday. Um, and this was a Sunday night, I believe. And so the issue with that is, you know, I live all the way up in Halifax, Canada, and they're all the way down in Atlanta. And so um, booked at home because I was away on vacation with our family, just a couple hours away in Prince Edward Island. Um, hopped on an airplane, flew down there the night before, went and did a meeting, basically gave a pitch and just said, this is what I want. I said to, this is one of the owners of the company. I just said, this is my dream to work with you guys because it'll, it would allow me to get more content to more people and to change the way the industry works. Because right now, ProPresenter uses all this content, but has none of it itself. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could integrate those two experiences together? It would change the industry. It would change how content gets made. And I was looking at what they had done up to that point, and I could see that it took a team of people, um, a team of like high-level um really smart people to create this software. And where I was at is we were a small team bootstrapped. It was, it was exciting for me to think like, what could they do to help me do what I do better? Hmm. Right. And so that conversation started and it took um, almost a full calendar year from the first conversation to the, to the time the deal was done. And so it just took a lot of back and forth and getting to know you. It's, it's a, it's a relationship, right? Like you don't, you don't just say, Hey, come join our company. And, uh, like it's it's like asking to get married on the first date, right? Like right. you yeah. need time to get to know the people and get comfortable and kind of know what each party's expectations are. And the more that I talk with them, the more um, I got excited and nervous at the same time, because the more we talked about, it, the more I knew that like, oh, this is what I want. So if something falls through here and this doesn't happen, I'm going to be extremely disappointed because to me, this was like the future of not only just church media, but like the future of allowing me and my team to do what we do better. Because we weren't website people. We weren't software engineers. We make great content. We have a good feel for that. It was exciting to be able to work with other people who would kind of pick us up where we were weaker and allow mm -hmm. us to be better in the areas yeah. that we were already good at. And that's what made it really exciting. As you as sort of like, I think you are one of the people in my spheres that have such like a natural, whether you would call yourself an entrepreneur, I think you do or not. I don't know if you do, but I think you do. You're a business guy. You think this way. Was that always the game plan, James? Like, I want to sell this company. Or maybe like, were there things you were thinking in order to sell a company, you have to set up certain things like... Um, make sure it's a corporation that could be sold instead of a sole proprietorship or, you know, all those kind or whatever it's called in other countries. Um, were there things that you were thinking about like years ago? Like, I hope this might happen one day or, or was this kind of like, again, another turn, like COVID was a turn that wasn't expected. This kind of came unexpected. It came unexpected. It didn't, it wasn't the goal from the start. It started becoming the goal as I started talking to them. Um, in that, like as an entrepreneur, like you do have to transition your business away from just being a side hustle to a business at some point. So when I went full time is when I fully incorporated and started paying myself a salary instead of, 
you know, whatever money you make flowing through your personal account. And you, you have to adapt personally too. like I'm married. And so when I started, it was it, it led to frustrations between me and my wife in that business money would come into our personal account. And then I would go spend some like $3,000 on a camera. And she'd be like, why are you spending? I'm like, well, that's business money. And it was hard to kind of keep right. those two yeah. things separate. And so it actually made practical sense to like incorporate and make it into a business and then also pay myself a salary so that instead of kind of whether you have a good month or a bad month, you pay yourself more or less. It was way better for us just to plan and be fiscally responsible in our own household if I just knew what I was making every two weeks. And yeah. then that allowed me that if the business was doing better than what I was making, it allowed me to take that money guilt-free and invest in hiring people or invest in doing a filming trip or gear and equipment. So it allowed me to budget properly. And so that was really, really helpful. And I often will tell um, entrepreneurs that I meet, yeah, there's a certain line where you have to kind of turn it into an actual business. It, it changes your mindset too. It, it definitely feels more all in when it's a business as opposed to a side hustle. And you kind of just claim that money as a extra income that goes into your personal account. It it changes, it feels more serious. And then it also prepares you for that if a situation arises where you're asked to join another company or sell the business, then at least it is easier once that's done. Um, you're set up properly. It also just makes your life easier when it comes to taxes and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, much and that's easier. all the classic stuff, like the what you're talking about. I'm listening as a business owner thinking like all the stuff, I don't know where you're supposed to learn it, but everyone, it feels like everyone learns it kind of trial by fire. You might, I might call up my buddy, James Adams, say, hey, what do I do? I mean, in the early days, I messaged you all the time about different questions I had, or you're asking an accountant friend or an HR friend, like, you know, we got to like, you know, watch YouTube videos, get, get knowledge wherever you can, because you started the business out of like your creative passion. And then very quickly, if you're not doing the business side of it, right, it all would have fallen apart. Yeah, you, you absolutely have to, whether you're a pure entrepreneur and I would call myself an entrepreneur or I've met a lot of artists who definitely aren't entrepreneurs, then you need to bring people on who can help or just advise you, whether it's friends hmm. or someone in a more formal capacity. It's, it's good to get someone who has a strategic mind who can give you advice on what to do when it comes to accounting or business decisions. I think often people want to also remain like a silo. And I find that if you have trusted people in your life, then reach out, ask for help. Um, like it really, it really will help you. Like in, in that story I just shared about flying down and meeting with the owner to kind of give them the, my pitch of what I thought the future could look like. It wasn't just my idea. I had met with a friend who had sold a business, a completely unrelated business in landscaping and met with him and said, Hey, like, here's what's happening. What do you think? Like, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. And he was the one that said, well, don't send it in an email. You need to go like, the way my world works in landscaping, he said, like, you meet face to face, and that's the way real relationships are started. They're started mm -hmm. better when it's a face to face in a meeting, you get, you get to know the person, you can see body language. So you'll get a better read on if they're serious or not, or if they're just kind of trying to find out the value of something. And so he said, yeah. this is your best option. And I was like, that makes so much sense. And it was because from that moment onwards, I felt like I knew the, the people that I was talking to. Um, and if they were to ever consider anyone else throughout that process, which I only assume they did, it would only strengthen how they feel about me if they got to sit in a room with me and talk ideas and see my passion for what I do. So that can ring through as opposed to just saying, yeah, here's what my business is and here's what I think it's worth. And, you know, let's talk through email. Like, that's not the way true, real 
communication can happen. It, it, it how always Yeah, you're not talking better. about selling like a something on Facebook Marketplace. You're talking about a, a business. The dollars are a bit different. So there's a relational yeah. piece to this. This isn't just about, you know, buying a chair for your kitchen. <laughs> Absolutely. And for me, for me and for them, which is why this relationship like worked out and ended up becoming to it, we came to a deal was because I wasn't interested in just taking some money and running. Like I was looking like, what does the future hold for me? Like, I want to keep doing this. I'm not looking to just retire here. Like I'm, I want a future. So how does that look? How do you guys see that? And that's exactly what they wanted. They didn't want just the past content. They said, well, how do we keep on making great content? How do we, how do you become better than you've already been up to this point? So this was never a end point. This was more like a middle stop along the way. Let's take a stop. Let's make something new and then let's superpower it. And let's like, how do you pour gasoline on the fire was always the line, right? Was like, how do we, how do we make what we do as our small team even better? Well, having other people who can handle maybe technical side of things, take that off your plate. We have a marketing team, take the marketing off. It takes away all these other distractions that weren't our skill sets per se. You mentioned your team. I want to talk about your team because I have observed you uh, kind of taking an, a unique approach of of hiring people who have no experience. <laughs> and then you've now grown them into people who, um, you know, really saw the win themselves, you know, when, when this company sold, uh, you know, a few years later. So uh, I want to talk about that side of it because like, why would you hire people with no skill? What were you looking for in people you hired Um, Was there trial and error there? Like, I want to get into your mind around how you built your team and developed those people. I mean, the honest answer is I couldn't afford people who had a lot of training. (laughs) That's the way it was at the start. (laughs) Okay, yeah, right. You know, you're bootstrapping a business. You're operating on small margins. um, And I was afraid of risk at the time when I started making hires in that I knew if I tried to hire someone with five, 10 years experience, I didn't have the types of things set up organizationally um, to be able to really accommodate that. And I felt at the time it would put a strain on the business to perform and push sales harder and harder and harder just to make ends meet. I never wanted to be in a position where I was worried about payroll. I was worried about whether or not we had enough runway for the business to live for another six months. I always wanted it to be comfortable because... Ultimately, it was my full-time thing. And so I kind of was looking at it like, is it running like a pure business where I want to take investors down the line? Or am I operating more like a sole entrepreneur and I need more like support people around me? And that's kind of the route I went um, in that I felt like what we were doing was working. What I needed help with at the time was, can I bring in people to take on tasks that are consuming my time that will allow me to better do what I do. And so it didn't really require training, but it came with perks, right? So when I hired Michael, um, Michael works for me. He's worked for me for uh, three years plus now. He didn't have any experience, but he was a hard worker. Um, And the perks of it was, hey, you're going to learn some website stuff, which are kind of consuming a lot of my time. I'm going to get you to do that more on the day-to-day. But every three months, 
or four months, you're going to get to travel somewhere cool in the world. So Michael's gone with me to New Zealand twice. And so it is work, absolutely, when you're there. But it's, he's like your he's like your your filming assistant. Correct. In the early, like he doesn't know how, he doesn't know anything about cameras, he but he's nothing, gonna come and but help I'm like, you. hey, you're gonna learn. Yeah. I'm gonna get you to set up the camera, um, and then you know you're gonna help me film. We're gonna do these crazy hikes. It's gonna be a blast. We're gonna get up really early. It's gonna be hard work. And then when we get back, you're gonna learn how to implement all this content on the website. You're gonna get involved with customer service in answering customer emails and questions. You're gonna help a little bit on the marketing. You're gonna start learning Photoshop. And so Michael is a great example in that he joined me with zero experience. And now he's basically running all of our graphic design stuff in that he's learned to make a lot of these sermon series. And as we're bringing on contractors, he's now managing the contractors and just reporting that information to me. So he's, he's gaining a level of leadership and expertise from basically a zero. He did not go to school for any of this. And he's just learned on the fly through hard work and determination and having that same spirit of just learn on the fly and like do yeah, your wanting best. To Absolutely. Learn. Yeah. And so yeah. that strategy, that strategy was important just because again, this was a niche business. It was making money, but it, it, I had to be careful to not overextend my biggest fear yeah. And most, um, most entrepreneurs biggest fear is failure in that, like, I would hate to shoot myself in the foot and spend so much money and then not make enough of it and have that be the downfall as opposed to, um, maybe not pushing hard enough. Like I was, I was willing to live with not pushing hard enough rather than over pushing and overextending because mm. that was my biggest fear because I have a family with, with small kids relying on me was I, I wasn't prepared and I probably still today would not be prepared to take that amount of risk where, I would risk their futures for one of my crazy ideas. As we're talking with James about transformation, the transformation of his life, his business, his family, I think that word can feel a little bit like a buzzword, but what does transformation even really look like? Well, one of the places I have seen transformation so evident is in the stories of former Compassion-sponsored children. That is graduates and alumni of Compassion programs who are adults, and now they're telling the story of how sponsorship actually impacted them. It's really cool. I've had the opportunity to meet someone like Ria. She's from the Philippines originally. And she said about her sponsorship as a child that knowing someone who never met you cares for you. That changes you. It doesn't just transform your situation that is breaking systematic poverty and in your life, getting you out of a situation that you may not have been able to do without support from someone who saw and cared for you. But it's also a story of how she was empowered to have freedom and choice in her own future, freedom free from poverty. So she's passionate and an advocate about kids getting sponsored. And she even sponsors a kid in her own community where she grew up. So she's breaking that cycle for another family. You can see how transformational child sponsorship can be. And you can see more about Rhea's story. You can see her, hear from her. You can meet others like her, these other alumni, if you go to compassion.ca slash if only. The link will be down in the show notes. Compassion.ca slash if only. And I I know it's funny because you are a person who likes, you are uh, friendly with risk. You want to take a risk, but, but you're not a risky person. You're thoughtful and like, um, meticulous about how you make those decisions. Like they're not, um, off the cuff risks. You, you, you've done your research or you've, you know, you take, you take a risk you can afford to make maybe. Starting a business is always a risk. 
like doing anything entrepreneurial, there's, there is some risk. I think you have to like be okay with the risk. You have to have time to accept, accept what, what, um, success looks like and accept what failure looks like. And once you know that if you fail and you can accept it, then it's acceptable to me. Like in that I started a business and I knew it could be embarrassing to tell people about it and then have to shut it down six months later. I came to a point where I'm like, right. I'd rather just do that than to not do it at all. And so anytime I have to weigh those things and I take the time to think it through, that's kind of my guiding principle is if I'm not comfortable with what failure looks like, then it's probably not a good risk for me to take. And, and that, 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 um, that formula changes as you, as you have a family or you buy a condo or you have property, like the, you, there's different things that then have to get equated into that risk. Like if I, 15 years ago when I was 20, there was nothing for me to, there was nothing for me to lose. So I could probably have taken bigger risks, but when you're an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and you're married and you've got a small kid, you have to, you have to change yeah. that equation. And so it does limit you, but it also centers you. Yeah. This piece you talked about earlier in the story was like this, you worked these crazy long hours in what the hockey arena, like the, the professional sports team and then the fashion industry stuff. Um, you know, would that be your advice to young people? Like, okay, you're talking about if you're, if you're a younger person listening and you have some idea, you're talking about like, you might be able to take more risk than a person who's got more to lose in terms of they have uh, family obligations, they have a mortgage to pay, you know, whatever that just that reality is as you get older. Yeah. Um, but also maybe that other side, do you think it's good for a young person to like, do that hard work? Like, just like, like, like I'm thinking of Michael who joined your team, no experience, but he wanted to work hard. Like when you think about a, you know, advising a young person who wants to like has big dreams. Um, is that the time to like go like, cause some people are like balance, of course, like you should take a day off and all this stuff. But, but, or do you think the other thing is actually like when you're young, like go hard, push hard, take a risk. <laughs> I think, I think there's a lot of like, around what you just said that like, there's a lot of like lies on social media these days or just falsehoods in that you don't have to work hard to achieve success because mm -hmm. you'll see someone on social media and you'll find the one in the million case of someone who didn't do a lot, became super famous and, you know, achieved all their dreams without any hard work. The reality is for, for most successful 99.9% .9 of successful entrepreneurs, it is risk, but it's also a lot of hard work and it's, you have to find like what you're passionate about. So for me, like I still, especially when I launched this business and I still at times when it's appropriate, will be up at night on my computer working because it doesn't feel like work to me. It's not like I had some landscaping jobs where every minute of that job felt like work. Like I did not want to be there. I was dreaming of the moment I got off. Whereas this, because I'm passionate about it, it's, you can burn yourself out. You have to be careful, but you can also work way more than 40 hours and get a lot of fulfillment from it and still have a balanced life. Like I get to, I have the luxury of working from home. I come upstairs at five o'clock on the nose every single day, have dinner with my family, get to bedtime with the kids, spend time with my wife, but I still might work in the evening because she wants to read a book. And so I'll go on my computer and work. There's finding yeah. balance and there's still also working hard. And I, I know far too many young people that think, well, I did 30 hours this week. If it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Like, no, you, like you should be willing and able <laughs> right. okay. while you have the time to put yeah. in the hard work. Now, you're not to do it foolishly. Like you can't just sit there and, and work yourself to the bone and have no life. Like I'm always going to be pro have balance, but 
if you look at anybody who is very successful, you're going to find hard work behind that. And probably beyond what would be considered a social norm for a job. Like, yeah, don't do anything more than 37.5 hours a week. Like that's a lot. Well, yeah, how's that work? It depends how, it depends <laughs> how, how much you want. You? Exactly. Yeah. Most business owners, yeah. it's a lot of sleepless nights because you care and you love it. But if you are truly passionate about it, it doesn't affect you the same way. Like working 50 hours or 60 hours a week for me now with small kids and and my wife, like that doesn't feel overwhelming because the time that I am working is not draining me. I feel it fulfills me in a lot of ways. And so it's finding what you're passionate about that makes it easier and makes that not sound so overwhelming. But yeah, if you're used to a nine to five job where you punch in, punch out, um, 40 hours can feel like a lot if you, if you don't like it. And so that's really what it is, is to be an entrepreneur, you can't be motivated just by money. Like money is not going to make you happy and nor will money solve your problems or make it enjoyable. Like the people who are super successful, even if they're an accountant, it's because they love accounting and they love bouncing numbers and working in spreadsheets. They have to have, you have to have a passion with what you do. So that, that applies to whether you're making church media, you're an accountant or you're a landscaper. If you just love landscaping, I'm sure that 40 hours to you feels different than 40 hours to someone else who doesn't love it. Right. Yeah. Well, I think there was sort of a philosophy in the Dutch household I grew up in, which was sort of this idea of like, get hard jobs when you're young. Like, first of all, you have physical energy. So just like, this is the moment. And also you have no skills or experience and you should not be entitled because like, if you're going to scrub the toilets, that's, that's like about where you are on, you know, on the hierarchy at that point. But this, I, I, I was sitting around with some of my own teenage nieces and nephews and somebody was talking about, they were trying to get a job that, that was like an easy job as a teenager. And another adult in the room was sort of saying the philosophy of their grandfather, our, you know, my dad, our dad about like, get the hard job when you're young, because you're going to learn. So like, it won't get you where you hope to go in life. If you get the easy, lazy, not even lazy, just easy going job, you want to actually like have some adversity to overcome. You want to like learn from, uh, putting some sweat equity into stuff, literally physical effort into stuff. Um, I have a I have a twenty something year old marketing young person staying with me right now just for a little while, and it's been interesting to observe what she says about how I work. Uh, you know, a decade whatever older than her, running a business, and she says you you work a lot, <laughs> and she doesn't mean that as a criticism. It's more like I'm like kind of inspired by it. Is sort of how she said it, like. Yeah, that's if that's what you want, that's what it's going to take. Uh, and not everybody wants it, and that's okay. Not everybody Absolutely. has to do it. Um, but for those who want it, uh, it does take the work. Okay, so before we end, um, you know, I'm curious about pro content and renewed vision and how the conversations you're having, or whatever you can share with us, just like what are you seeing in the future? media, Christian events, live content, online content, metaverse, AI. I don't know where you want to take this, but um, when you get excited about these collaborations you're now able to do with Renewed Vision because you're taking what you're expert at and then getting the resources of the larger team, um, like what's some of the stuff you're excited about or see coming? Maybe churches haven't even thought about this stuff yet, but you're thinking about it. The main thing is, 
only being a month into launching it, what I'm so excited about is most churches um, operate with volunteers rather than paid staff. There are paid staff and you having worked at the church know that there's paid staff, but without volunteers, everything that happens at a worship service, a Sunday service, whatever it's going to be, it just wouldn't fully come together without the help of volunteers. And that's especially true yeah. when it comes to pro presenter and media and pro content in that there's a lot of full-time people that help set everything up and get everything ready, but they rely on volunteers to kind of run the computer during the services. And that's where this pro content inside of pro presenter thing is huge because no longer does that person have to spend um, time in the days leading up to organizing, going to, going to any website, downloading, moving folders around, putting in a hard drive, putting in the correct folder. Now it's available directly in the software. So you can give volunteers the freedom to say, pick what you want right there. It's right there in the media mm -hmm. bin. Go down if you want something landscapey and it's a youth service, go for it. If you like something more traditional looking, there's content right there. All you have to do is click download and you have access to it. So it's giving volunteers more control over being creative. Even the tech people can be mm. creative. Um, it's going to save the paid people, um, the people who work for the church time, rather than having to do everything for that person in setting up and preparing. It's going to save them time and energy. So that to me um, to most people, it might not sound like a big deal, but to me, efficiency and helping those people out who I know are already stretched thin is the huge win. The thing that actually gets me excited is knowing that they're going to have access to the great content we make, and it's not going to be a chore. And that's what it has mm -hmm. been. Truthfully, going to our website before and downloading content, having to move it a few times and then get it all prepared just took time and effort. It's another, it's, it's another, another administrative task. It's one yeah. out of 20 things yeah. that that person has to do on any given day. And so that is super exciting. So the content was great, but the administrative side of it, you didn't have the ability to control that piece of it, what they had to do to, it just, you've literally saved them hours of their life. Correct. <laughs> and we were able to build yeah. a better website in that we were able to bring some different people on board to help build a new website and include features that, Based on the platform we had built in prior, couldn't do, um, even it would allow us to mm -hmm. clean up mistakes that like we had made five years ago. But because we had chosen a platform, we kind of had to stick with it. We got to start fresh and bring in other really mm -hmm. smart technical people to like, how do we just make this experience better for our users? And so now the pro content website is so much better than what the VMC website is. It's just so mm -hmm. much easier to download and use and for people to sign up. So it gives a lot more ability to then iterate and develop new ideas going forward, knowing that we have a team of technically minded people that we're able to do what I think no one else will be able to do because we have this tie in directly into the software. There's some cool ideas yeah. that we're, that we're working on. that are going to come down the line that are just going to, again, make people's life easier. It's going to make people's screens look awesome, which is where I come in and that like, we want to give people as many options as possible, it's all available for one single membership and it's right in the software, which is going to save you time. You can still yeah. use the website. So people are still going on and downloading our stock video and then using it for their projects for, let's say, their upcoming summer series or whatever it might be. We have all that still available, but this tie into the software is something that no one else can offer. And so it makes something, it's, it's, there's a lot of like, excitement because it's unknown how far we really can take that yeah. and give people control and, a, and creative ability. 
Yeah. Well, and, and James, what I'm hearing too in this, I mean, first of all, when you're talking about the future, you're talking about like screens aren't going away. Creative content isn't going away. People like the desire, the hunger for it. Maybe the size of the screens, the places, the screen, you know, all that stuff continues to change, but you're talking about <laughs> everybody needs more time. Everybody feels like they don't have enough volunteers. Like the future is friendlier when we have like more amalgamation. But what I also hear in in this whole story you're telling, I, underneath the surface, you have to be humble enough to understand what you're best at and the parts of it that were like, I don't want to say weaknesses of the business, but like the places that would, would be way more energy for you to become like world-class in. And that's where like, for you to say like, wow, like when we leverage partnership, uh, like when, I mean, in this case, you've sold the business, but like with your powers combined, like look at the Avenger squad you're like, you're part of now. Like, it's really cool to see that. Um, take what VMC did to like another level now. And yeah, it, it's exciting because a, you were willing to say like, absolutely. I don't know it all. As, as an entrepreneur, like you also have to like look in the mirror and know, like honestly evaluate yourself. And that's very hard in today's day and age where everyone just says, well, just be 100% positive about yourself all the time and you'll be happy. The truth is you have to acknowledge that you have your own flaws and there's going to be strengths and weaknesses. And so even me, like part of the, the biggest part of the decision was, am I okay with going from being a, a single owner in a business to an employee again, right? Like that's a, yeah. that's a different transition. It comes down to the people you're going to work with. Like, can you see that relationship working? And like 100% it has. And, it, and I saw that from the start when I first started talking to them, like, these are the kind of people I want to work for because I, can, I see so much knowledge there that I can learn from them. And I see that they're going to help me grow into um, a better leader, a better creative, a better entrepreneur at heart. They're going to teach me skills no matter what that I lack. And I think sometimes people are, are afraid to kind of look and see their own weaknesses. And so when I looked at what does it look like to join Renewed Vision, I saw so much skill in the areas that I lacked that all mm -hmm. it took was like being willing to like just not be in control, 100% in control of everything. And the yeah. reality is, is that at, like, while that was exciting at the start, it's now freeing. Like when I first started the business, it was exciting to have control over everything. And now it's nice to not have to control everything and just get to focus on hmm. um, things that I think probably were suffering because I was busy doing other tasks. Now I'm able to kind of zone in more on like the details. And I think that's really, yeah. really valuable. I love that. And, and the reality in any business is, you know, what I'm hearing is you had this hunger. You've always had this hunger to learn, which is why you were able to learn how to run a business and, you know, do so much of what you've done. But uh, in that, like part of your continued hunger to learn and the markers of those guys on your team who have come over to the new business with you is that like, if you're willing to learn that there's like a big wide world out there of higher, more, whatever. But if you don't, you get stagnant and inevitably your work, your business, your career, um, will plateau or even decline because you weren't willing to say, I have areas I need to grow in and I need people around me to make me better at those things. Even if you're the solopreneur, even if you are the boss of the team, who are you learning from growing from Absolutely. partnering with? James, where, um, where do you want to send people today to like all the stuff we've just been talking about? Where do you want to send them to find it? Go to renewvision.com. You'll find links to pro content there. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Um, yeah, go check it out. 
And if you don't already have Pro Presenter, you should download that. Awesome. James, thanks so much. It's been really fun to get this update like a few years later on this side of COVID, uh, get you back on the podcast. So maybe we'll have to like circle back again in a couple of years and uh, find out what you've done next. Awesome. Thanks, James. Thanks, Joe. James Adams loved our conversation. Always enjoyed chatting with him and uh, it was great to be even with him in person so recently so we could jump right into the conversation as we recorded the podcast. Next up, we have Misha Watson. She's another round two here because she's doing something new I wanted you guys to hear about. She's got a new podcast all about digital dating and singleness in this digital age as Christians. So going to be a little bit spicy. You're going to have a good time on that conversation. Thanks so much to our sponsors to Compassion Canada for who are lifting children from poverty in Jesus' name, and we can be part of it. And to the new podcast, Scripture Untangled by the Canadian Bible Society, an amazing opportunity to untangle and wrestle with Scripture in a bigger way in your life. So check us out on YouTube. Hit subscribe, rate, review, comment. We would love to hear from you, and we'll see you back next week on the next Word Made Digital podcast with Misha Watson. <laughs>